Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know Who's down with D&D? Yeah, you know me. Get down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by the devilish, dapper, and debonair Mad Wizard Merwin. Wow, you got all, like, avernus on us there, Chris. I was trying. I was going for my demonic voice. You you did. And can you see what shirt I'm wearing? Oh, you are wearing Descent into Avernus, this, this shirt, which has got the cover. Yeah. It's very good, very good. For you people in, in podcast land, just look up a picture of Descent into Avernus, and you can see exactly what it looks like. It's a flaming skull. It's got the sigils on it. It's good. Yeah, and the reason I'm wearing this shirt is because today we are going to start our deep dive into the book, Baldur's Gate, Descent into Avernus. Yeah, I will um, be raving about D&D Beyond when we when we talk about this book, probably the entire time, because of all the... It's like a Wikipedia article with all the links. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just the best thing ever. Um mm-hmm let you go down the rabbit hole anyways let's get into some announcements first before we talk about devilish uh demonic delights mm-hmm. so issue 27 of dragon plus is out and i was going to go through and you know, just give a quick highlight of all the stuff that was in uh issue 27 and i just got to the first article which is in the works and speaking of going down the rabbit hole wow uh this issue the in the works is very long uh, it talks about all of the things that Wizards is working on that, that they've uh, released for discussion, as well as a lot of the partner projects that are going on. And, I mean, it is deep. So the first thing they talk about is Eberron uh, rising from the last war. And so they give the highlight of what's going to be in the book, including 16 new races or sub-races, uh, plus the first official class to be released for 5th edition since the Player's Handbook, The Artificer. Um, And then they also mentioned that there is going to be a new option called The Group Patron, which provides a connected origin story for a group of characters that help flesh out backgrounds for the whole party. Um, So that's something that's new and cool, especially for you DMs and players who really like to get that um, deep, deeper backstory connection with your group. Uh, and so I, you know, I read that it was a long article. I'm like, Oh, that was a good in the works for, for this issue. And then I scrolled and I'm like, wait, there's more. They talk about descent into Avernus. Um, and while that is not new because obviously the book is out, uh, they do have n- new information that you can get. Um, if you don't have Morden Canaan's Tome of Foes, uh, that book has a bunch of information about the Blood War, and you can get the PDF version of the Blood War section of Morden Kanan's Tome of Foes for free if you go into Dragon Plus. It's right there. You can just grab it. And they also collected all of the D&D Beyond videos where the D&D team were discuss- discussing um, Descent into Avernus. And they're all right there. So you can just go right down through the line and watch them all and get all this information that you want. And I thought, wow, that's two in the works sections that that have a ton of information. Great, great stuff uh, for DMs and players both. And then it continued. So they talked about uh, the, the charity apparel that they are putting out that will support Extra Life. 
Um, the apparel has on it Jezebel, a quasit familiar from Descent into Avernus, Lulu, a Hollyphant who plays a huge part in Descent into Avernus, and Slobber Chops, who is, let's just say, one hell of a Tressum. <laughs> um, nice. Those three, those three characters, NPC beasts from Descent into Avernus, are going to be on all of this charity apparel that will be coming out, and they told in this in the works what's going to be in the Descent into Avernus Platinum Edition from Beetle and Grimm's. Uh, it ships in October, but they're taking orders now. They have all the normal bonus campaign content, you know, all the little handouts and the big maps and, and all that. They're also giving you characters, pre-generated characters with rounded out backstories and jewelry. Um, they are also putting out uh, magic item cards as well as encounter and monster cards. And if you're an Adventurers League player and you or your DM buys this box, there will be certificates um, for the Adventurers League that, that are fun that you can come up with. So you know, all of this stuff is going to be available if you put down the granted lots of money to buy the uh, Platinum Edition of, uh, of the Adventure from Beatles and Grimm. They also talk about Ultra Pro figurines, new stuff coming up in the Adventurers League, Baldur's Gate 3 previews, uh, new goods and merchandise from Death Saves, the WizKid figures, Funko Pop figures, and Axis and Allies 1942 online. All of that information is just in the In the Works section of Dragon Plus. So I'm like, whew. That's a lot of stuff. That is a lot of stuff. Uh, if you and So go for that. And also, while you're there, you can look at and t and hear from one of the concept artists for Descent into Avernus, Max Dunbar. Um, Samantha Darcy, who's an illustrator, does an article about wizard fashion. There's an article about sign language in D&D, &D, uh, if you are interested in that topic, one that has come up a lot lately in the RPG world. Um, they talk about Season 9 of the Adventures League, which will take you into Avernus. You know, they talk about how the Adventures League... Uh, supports whatever the latest product is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's a good article about why they do what they do and how they do it. Uh, the Best of the DMs Guild looks this month at Eberron products and Artificer Magic products. So products on the guild uh, that came out after the playtest version of the Eberron material went up and you know, all the stuff that you can pull from there. And even more interesting for me is they, they look back at some old Dragon articles. I guess this is going to be a a, uh, a column that comes up more frequently. Did, did you read where this they, one? Uh, I didn't get all the way through it, but I saw that you know they talked about war machines throughout Dragon Magazine's history. And you can get free PDFs of, of these articles. I mean, it's very relevant to the fact this uh, Avernus has infernal war machines. So Right. Yep. So you know, it's something that... Even if it's an old article, it still has good information that you might use in your current campaign, as well as the ninja. As well as the ninja. Yeah, you just got to throw in a ninja every now here's and then. Here's a, here's a fun little uh, story about me, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a side tangent. The first thing I ever designed when I was 12 years old was, for second edition D&D, &D, was a ninja for my friend, because I didn't know about the splat books and things like that. And he wanted right. to play a ninja, and I'm like, I will design you a ninja based on what we have here. Nice. <laughs> and that's how it should be, you know. We we all should be if we are so inclined, you know, create our own material. Uh-huh. Absolutely. And and now and now we even have a place to put it up when we're done with it. 
uh, for people to see. You know, uh, speaking of that, can I can I mention something else that goes along with sure. this, the, with the Avernus theme that we have today? Yeah. So Encounters in Avernus is a product that is out right now. From uh, it's on the DMs Guild. It's by a number of the uh, Guild adepts, including our mm-hmm. own very own Mad Wizard Sean Merwin. And even more importantly, I think it is f- from a lot of people who actually worked on the book. Uh-huh. So, uh, I mean, uh, Hake and Intercasso, James Hake and James Intercasso, they both wrote on this, right? So did M.T. Black. Oh, did he? Did, did Ashley yep. and Rick, Rich also work on this? Rich, I, I don't know if Rich did any writing on it. He may have done some, some work tangentially on it. And I don't think Ashley uh, was on this project, although... With her resume and the work that she's been doing, it will not be long before she is. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I can just look at the credits and let you know. Yeah, like, that's I, a thing. I was just. Let me just. I, I was just clicking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> clicking at the credits. I'm looking at the credits. Uh, it does okay. not look like Ashley worked on this book, unfortunately. Yeah. No. But yeah, so you know, at least four and possibly five uh, of the people that worked on the Descent and Davernus book worked on this Encounters in Avernus product, which is 60 short encounters that you can use in Avernus, whether it be in Avernus itself along the River Styx or in the city of El Torel. Yeah, it's, it looks great. I, uh, it, I mean, like you said, like the reason to bring it up is because a bunch of the people who worked on the book are, are in this product writing extra encounters for the book. It's almost like maybe some of the stuff that got cut out of the book ended up in this product. It it would make sense to to believe that. No, I, I don't know if that's true. I'm just speculating, and I'm yeah, not asking Sean to say anything. It's something that happens constantly, and you know, stuff is cut out of books all the time. Not just you know the big hardcover books, but any product, um, things will get cut out of for space or for tone or for you know for pretty much any reason. So it's it's a waste to just throw that out if it can be retooled and used elsewhere. I'm also fascinated by the idea that there's these encounter chains. To help you craft mm-hmm. a story that has to do either with Tiamat, who is, you know, in the Nine Hells and in and around uh, Avernus, and uh, also Zeriel, who is, you know, in charge of uh, yep. Avernus. So, yep. you know, that's that's fascinating to me. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a great way. It's something that DMs can do themselves when they get one of these encounters type types of books that have just discrete encounters along the way. They find a way to string them together. And in this case, we, the creators of the book, just said... Let's let's just string them together as is. They'll make their own story, and then if people want to just separate out the encounters and run them individually, they can, or they can put them together for a string of a, a string of encounters, basically to make up an adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's yep. talk about the last thing, which is let's design an adventure, which is a D and D Beyond post that was written by Sean Merwin. Yeah. So people had been asking Chris, you and I, when we go and did our, you know. All our part, uh, our several part series on adventure design. It's like nine or ten parts. Yeah. And they said, well, you're going to write all this down. And people are asking for transcripts and, and people are asking for a book. And hey, hey, guess what? You can just go read these yeah. articles. They're, they're right yeah. there. So I will, I will put up at least ten articles um, detailing different parts of creating an adventure. Um, some of the stuff that we talked about on the podcast will be there, but there will also be more or different takes and, and other stuff. Um, so, you know, if you, you don't need to be a D and D beyond subscriber to read these, you can just go to D and D and all of the, those articles that are up there on the front page are free to read by anyone. 
Uh, I would suggest becoming a D&D Beyond subscriber because, as we will talk about repeatedly throughout this uh, this show and probably future shows, it's a great it's a great product. You know, it's a great uh, software solution for lots of problems that D&D uh, DMs have. I never want to run a game that doesn't allow me to use D&D Beyond ever again. Yeah, it's it's amazing. But uh, but the you know, so the uh, the series of articles itself. Let's design an adventure. We're going to design an adventure. I'm going to talk about different aspects of adventure design, and along the way, I will say, okay, if I was writing an adventure with this, here's what it would look like, and I'll put up pieces. And I will also look at the comment section if people have suggestions or things that they want. I will try to add that when I talk in future articles about about that topic. Um, I wish I could talk about everything that people want to talk about because in the comments people are like, oh, yeah, let tell me about world building or tell me about designing a full campaign or, or oh, tell us what to do when we have the adventure but then the players go off the rails. Hey, what do you do? You know what? That just sounds like uh, other topics that we could talk about on this show. Yeah. I mean, I would love to write about all of those things. I have to kind of focus in on just the adventure design stuff. Um, for this for this series of articles, but if we can go beyond that, we can either do it here. I could do more articles. Maybe there's a book in the offing at some point. Who knows? Uh, but all of those topics are awesome and much needed for discussion. And I need to learn more about a lot of things uh, before I can talk about it intelligently. So I appreciate everyone's enthusiasm about it. I was blown away by you know the number of comments that came in. So thank you all and. If you haven't read it yet, I hope you can swing over and check it out. So that's our uh, that's our announcements. I think it's now time to get into the topic for today, which is Descent into Avernus, Part 1. We're going to talk about the overview and some things where I got off on a tangent because it's like a Wikipedia article. And I'm going to talk like this, too. This so sounds like fun. Cool. How can I trick you out of your soul? <laughs> <laughs> it's too late, man. <laughs> too late. You gotta too get late. Mine. Done. <laughs> yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like your wife might have first dibs on that. Right. I think I'm like seven souls uh, in in arrears at this point. Yeah. All right. So if you don't want spoilers on Descent into Avernus, just stop listening. Yep. We love you. Thank you for being here with us to this point. Of uh, come back next week for more announcements because we like to do like news and things like that. Yep. All right. Uh, what is Descent into Avernus, Sean? Descent into Avernus. I'm glad you asked, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Descent into Avernus is an adventure and a little bit of a source book that takes characters from level 1 to level 13. If you go through the whole adventure, you will begin in the city of Baldur's Gate. The gazetteer that's in this book provides you with information about the city's history and its current political and social climate. So, in a way, it is... A, you know, it's a great source book. It's a great gazetteer for adventuring in the city. Uh, if you played the D and D next adventure, uh, Murder in Baldur's Gate, there's a lot of similar feel and um, focus from that book in into this gazetteer. I still have my DM screen. Oh yeah, yep, absolutely. I mean, that was a then that was a great adventure. It really that was, this is a really good adventure. And so that is the sort. If you played that, or if you DM that, that is sort of the feel that you're going to have for the first four levels uh, of this adventure, right? It's in Baldur's Gate. There's stuff going on. You are thrown into the middle of 
political and social unrest and you need to work your way through it and slowly as as you learn about what's happening and as you complete your missions you will learn what the Avernus connection is to all of this. And there is one. Mm-hmm. Oh, there definitely there is one. I mean, so, to, to spoil things, like we said, spoilers, yeah. there is a noble. Um, her name is... What the hell's her name again? Uh, she's a baron. Yeah. A duke, uh, sorry. She's one of the three dukes. She's, she, she's one of the dukes. Uh, uh, Van Thampur. Van, Van Thampur. I can't oh. remember her first name, though. Oh, it's... Oh, it's... Yeah, I, I can find we will, it. We will have it next week for sure. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, there there are many. Um, oh, it's Thelmara. Yeah, it's like Thelmara Van Dempor. It's hard to say. Uh, so, yes, there is this Baldur's Gate section, but then the adventure takes a sharp turn as you learn the threat to Baldur's Gate and are asked to. Go to hell. I feel like I feel like you uh you, you went in weak on the um on on the on the on the pitch because yeah, it happens in Baldur's Gate, but like the inciting incident to a lot of this stuff is uh Elter uh, Elter Elterel. Elterel is gone. It like yes. vanished and there's only a crater left. Right. So what pre- precipitates everything is Elterel uh is pulled down into hell. Now what's Elterel? Elterel is an interesting story all on its own. Elturel is basically one of the holiest cities in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, it had a an undead problem years ago. Uh, a vampire took over the city, and it became very much a, an undead sort of city. And in order to drive this, this uh, undead scourge away, a deal was made with uh, between the paladins of Elturel and a demon lord. She promised to drive them away by creating the companion, which was a second sun that hung in the sky above Elturel, which basically bathed the city in bright sunlight the entire time. The undead were destroyed and the city was saved. Yeah, can, can we talk about the companion actually is? Yeah. It's a planetar imprisoned inside of this thing. Yep. It's a planetar imprisoned inside. Mm-hmm. Of, I just want to throw that out there. Like, it's yeah. already fairly. This is already fairly epic. Like, cities are vanishing. There's, yep. there's the there. There are devils and devils and planetars involved. It's, it's, it's not a good, not a good scene. Now, the demon lord that they made this pact with is named Zariel, and so she did this with the understanding that after a certain amount of time, she would get her payment. And her payment is the city is dragged into hell. And and, and Sean, why is the city dragged into hell? Well, you tell me, Chris. Oh, it's because Zeriel needs more foot soldiers to fight the blood war. That's right. <laughs> so Zeriel is a, an extremely compelling figure all on her own because she uh, was an angel... She's a very angry who, angel. Yeah, she wanted to fight in the blood war, basically. She wanted to lead the legions of good down directly into hell to fight against both the demons and the devils. It's because she who, hates both of them. Right, who fight each other. 
And her superiors said, whoa, whoa, wait a second there. They're fighting each other. They're leaving us alone. Just let them destroy each other. And she pointed to different aspects of the blood war that were actually hurting innocent people. And it was one of those, well, it's a small price to pay for what could be much worse. We're not going to go down there. And she decided to lead a group of people down there anyway um, called the Hell Riders. They got down there and basically the Hell Riders saw hell and said, we don't like this. This isn't what we signed up for. Uh, we're out of here. They abandoned her. She was defeated. And she, the only way that she could continue the fight was to make a deal with Asmodeus. So Asmodeus said, you know, you're good at fighting demons. I will give you an army. I will make you the ruler of the first level of hell where the blood war takes place. And you fight demons to your heart's content. And she said, it's a deal. So that's that's the backstory there. And then the, the El Torel uh, deal happened. Now she is pulling El Torel into, into Avernus and is expecting help in her fight against the demons that are invading. You, you know, there's one more El Torel connection. It's because Zeriel went left Mount Celestia and went to El Torel to rally that yep. army. So, like, there's, right. there's like, a, an, an extra connection to that. Like, she uh, almost is pulling Elturel down because she's angry at the people of Elturel for abandoning her when she went to fight the first time. Yeah. So, the, the Hell Riders are, play an important role in this whole adventure can't, as well. I haven't caught that part yet. It's a big book, by the way. It, yeah. I mean, and it's, it's complicated. It's, that's why we're teasing all of this out now. Yes. So when we actually talk about the adventure, we don't have to continually go into it, this. This stuff is very important, too, because you need to understand yep. all of this stuff to run the adventure um, effectively, I would imagine. Um, yep. On the bright side, I think it's laid out really well. Oh, yeah. Yep. Now, now to even to go even further, El Torel and Baldur's Gate are sort of enemies because El Torel is a very holy, upright, upstanding place. Baldur's Gate is not. Right? Baldur's Gate is full of scum and villainy. Um, the politics are rough. The streets are rough. Uh, it, it was it was born of a pirate cove where they would put up a false light to tr bring ships closer, where they would get destroyed on the reef, and then the pirates would go out and kill the people that survived the crash and steal all the goods and then sell them. Sure is and the were... Gotham City of the Sword Coast. Yep, yep. So so there there's always tension there. So the leader of El Torel, who is now beholden to a demon lord, said, Hey, Duke, Ravenguard, let's c come to El Torel and let's, let's talk about peace. And uh, Duke Ravenguard said, uh, No, no, I'm not. And, but all of his co-dukes, if you will, the other people on the council, um, there, are four, there are three dukes and one grand duke, right? Mm -hmm. Grand duke... Uh, Ravenguard is the leader, and then these three dukes under him are basically his council. And they so they vote about things. Well, the other three said, yes, Duke Ravenguard, you should go to El Torel and talk about peace and talk about trade and, you know, talk about all these things. And, and Elder was like, I guess, because you're making Yeah, me. okay. Okay, so Grand Duke Ravenguard said, yes, I will I will do this. Ha so he, And he was, oh, go ahead. Have we mentioned that he's in charge of the Flaming Fist? Yeah, he's in charge of the flaming that's, fist. That's flaming also fist. important. Yep, they are the they are they're a mercenary group 
that are the police force for Baldur's Gate. By the way, when we say mercenary group, that group consists of somewhere between 500 and 1,000 members at any time. Yeah, and they, they're a police force, but only in the loosest sense of the word. Uh, they are more like a criminal organization that, um, that keeps the quote-unquote peace. Yeah, they're a bunch of thugs. It's fine. And, <laughs> but gr- the Grand Duke is, is a, not a thug. Um, he, he may have been at one point, but at this point he understands his role as a leader and he, he is one of the only things keeping the flaming fists from, you know, turning into a true criminal organization that has the power of a police force. Uh-huh. And, and remember when um, we mentioned Eldrell was like ripped from the material plane earlier? Guess, yep. guess who was in Eltrell when that happened? Yep. <laughs> so Grand the, Duke, the, Alder the, Ravengard. Yep. The, 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 the leader of Eltrell knew that Eltrell was going to be drawn yeah, away. That is, uh, by the way, everybody, that's Thavis Krieg. Yep, Thavis Krieg. So Krieg invited Grand Duke Ravengard to Eltrell just so he would get pulled down with the city. Then Krieg could go to Baldur's Gate and wreak more havoc there. Uh-huh. Hanging out with his friend Duke Van Thampur, who was also yep. in with the devils. Yep. So you have this group of devil-worshipping, Zariel specifically, devil-worshipping people, um, who are now in charge of Baldur's Gate for all intents and purposes. Keepers. Uh, as much as anyone can be in charge of a lawless city. Uh-huh. And, and, and what they're doing is paving the way to have Baldur's Gate pulled down into hell also. Yep, and so that is what the characters are trying to prevent. Now, they don't know this at the beginning. At the beginning, they are just doing work because all of the people who live in El Torel, who happened to be outside the city when it was pulled down, were able to escape, but they have nowhere to go, and the largest, closest city is Baldur's Gate. So, naturally, the refugees uh, head there. So you have the refugees flooding into a city that's already lawless, that no longer has a leader, and that the current leadership is either A, vile, um, just in general, or B, actual devil-worshipping, uh, horrible people. So Cultists. You, you can, yeah, so, so there you go. You can... Uh, you can see where all of this turmoil is headed. Yeah, I mean, and then insert player characters at the worst possible moment. Mm-hmm. Or the best possible moment, I suppose. Yeah. So then the adventure is a, you know, it's a the story of the, the characters first dealing with the, the small problems of Baldur's Gate, being awakened to the larger threat of Baldur's Gate being pulled down into, uh, into hell, unless they do something about it. Figuring out how to stop that and then actually going down into hell to save everyone. Elturel, Baldur's Gate, and deal with all the problems that are happening there. Sound good? Yeah, it's that's pretty much how it goes. Um yep. can, can we can we sidebar real quick on something? Sure. So mm-hmm. you you're probably asking yourself people out there like this is a complicated plot and it is a complicated plot but that's on purpose because devils deal in complicated plots this is mm-hmm. all very thematically laid out in a in a way that makes a lot of sense for the this this adventure i think i think yep. it's really good i think it's very solid yep and and the good the good part about the adventure is it's very carefully crafted 
to reveal only as much information as is digestible at the moment. Um, you don't get this full story right at the start, right? You you know that El Terrell is pulled down. Something terrible is happening, and people fear that Baldur's Gate's going to be pulled down next. Um, but first, we have to deal with all these refugees. So start there. Not only that, but we also have to deal with like introducing the characters into this adventure, which uh, we'll yeah. probably talk about that next week. But but as a preface, right. as, a, as a bit of yeah. a touch on that, there's this idea called a dark secret that the mm -hmm. characters all get as a group, which is really good. It's a really good frame mm -hmm. for this game, and we'll talk about that yep. next time. Yep. So, yeah. So, But as I was saying, the, uh, you know, the, the information is given out at a rate that's not overwhelming, but it's given at a pace that quickly lets the players and their characters know that it, this is going to be a complicated, long, arduous journey that they're going to take. Mm-hmm. Um, and they only know the surface of it right now, but the, you know, the information comes at a rate that lets them see the complication, see the complexity of the plot without being overwhelmed by it. Um, the, the whole purpose and goal of this campaign is to go and free Elturel from Avernus. Mm -hmm. That is, that is like the main overarching goal. One of the coolest things about this adventure, everyone, and the and I think like the primary I mean, there's like cool stuff in this book all over the place, but the primary reason to go pick up this book is because um at the end of it, there's no one way to solve that problem. There's like several True. different ways to solve the problem. And I think yep. that is a it's difficult to write stuff like that, and it's one of the strengths of this adventure. Mm -hmm. Yep. It it does it does it in a way too that I like because when you are first starting a campaign when you're at the lowest level and if you're a new dm or an inexperienced dm or even a dm that just likes um likes to keep things simple at start to start with so it's a, it's a linear campaign to start with right you get you get your feet under you you introduce the problem um in those first four levels and then as chris said it opens up and you as the dm can then start weaving your own story and deciding, along with the, the characters and their actions, how this is going to be resolved. It doesn't have to be just go here and just do this. There are many ways that it could happen. Mm -hmm. It's it's really good how it... Um, every part of the adventure feels like... If, if you were to break it into a couple of different sections, um, they are bubbles. Like, you're mm -hmm. going to do a thing in this bubble until you finish the thing. But there's like mm -hmm. you, there's not always just one way to, to deal with. It. There's like lots of stuff that's kind of going. You said it's linear. It's very very linear, especially at the beginning. But like um, mm -hmm. once they get into Avernus, once they get in, right. once they get down there, like El Torel has fallen, which is chapter two. Like mm -hmm. you're in the city. You have a goal, but you can start like talking to people. Right, right. It, it's not yeah. It's not just like go from here to here to here to here to here. Mm -hmm. It's there's here's a city. Here's the end goal. Do what you need to do to get to that end goal. Yeah. And then it even yep. opens up more than that because then you're in Avernus. Like you can go to different mm -hmm. places in Avernus. Then there's like a, right. an adventure location, a, a, like a like a goal that pops up. But then at the back end of it, it's like here's another like, well, you've done stuff up to this point. What is your uh, what is your end like? How do you how do you want your end goal to look? So like there's a bunch mm -hmm. of options at the end too. It's really well designed. Yep. Um, that's the kind of the flow of the adventure. So yep. in the about the adventure section, there's also a part called role playing devils. Mm -hmm. I think this is a very important thing to have in a book like this because yes. like 
what uh, I mean, we have the monster manual, and that's good. And it says to go read that part too. But then it uh, it talks about like their traits, and then it goes into life in the nine hells, which is really good. Yeah. Like you can really play up what it's like to be in hell. Like it's a yeah, and go ahead. It's you know it's really important to have this too because unless you read this, everyone's idea of the nine hells, whether it's you know philosophical or religious or game focused, is different, mm-hmm. right? And it's changed over the editions. You know, if you played first edition D and D and you went to Avernus, you know that's very different than what's being displayed here. So you, as the DM or you as the player, might have this idea, and then you start to play, and you're like, "Oh well, your character is in hell." You start taking damage from the acidic air, and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a second, wait a second. You know, that's second edition or that's third edition. This is this. So you have to make sure." As the DM, you take all this in and you explain that to your players so everyone's on the same page. And this does a great job, as Chris said, of showing how devils work. What What is the devil's actual motivation? The different devils. Um, you know, what's it like to eat rations in hell? Ugh. What's Ugh. it like to... Exactly. Uh, you know, what, what, what are your dreams about? You know, all of these things are, are important to get that flavor across. Yes. But also just to get everyone on the same page so you know what your character is experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, for for quickness, uh, I'm going to go over the list real quick of uh, sure. what makes a the common traits of a devil. So they are charming. Yep. They are patient. They are civil. They are devious. They are unscrupulous. And they are the only, one of the only things that they're really afraid of aside from dying because you can die if you're a devil in the Nine Hells. Because mm-hmm. that's the only place you can die, um, right. is being demoted. Maybe that's even worse than dying because you can get, you can be changed. <laughs> Demotions come with a physical alteration, and that's problematic yes. for devils at times. Yeah, yeah. If you have lots of power and all of a sudden you upset one of your superiors and you start getting demoted, um, you are not as powerful as you were. You don't have the ability to do the things that you want to do. Yeah, it, it's a really, it takes away your personal power. Mm-hmm. Um, but like they're long lived and they know it mm-hmm. and they get a lot of, uh, their currency is in souls. So making deals for souls is what they do. Mm-hmm. And they're not above doing pretty much anything to do it. They don't, they're not, they never, they're never embarrassed. They're never shamed. Like, those are things to remember. Like, they don't have, like, the same kind of scruples that people do. Mm-hmm. And that's even more important than, in my opinion, than feeling guilt or remorse. Like, not being guilty about something and not feeling, playing something that feels remorseful is a lot easier than not playing something that doesn't, that doesn't get embarrassed or shamed, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a thing to remember. It's why Succubi can do what they do a lot of times or Incubi. Because they have no shame, they have. Right. They, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. They're very. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a, I know it's a PG-13 show, but they're very sex positive. Um, yep. As long as they get their souls in exchange for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. And you know, all, all the devils are like that in in whatever way they they operate. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, like they'll, you know, they, they'll kill babies yeah. for souls. Yep. I mean, that's that's just what they are. They're evil. Yes. They will. They will they will mentally torture people for years on end just you know to get your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, the life in the nine hells section is great. I love the everything's awful. 
Right. <laughs> Everyone's unhappy. Even devils. Especially devils. Especially devils. That's kind of the point, right? Right. Um, so it gives you ways to show um, you know, this unhappiness, whether it's your, the, your characters in your campaign or the NPCs. Um, so, you know, even victories don't feel as sweet. Um, they give the example of, you know, even if you roll a critical hit, something minor bad happens. You know, your your, your shoes come untied mm-hmm. or you get stung by a, a hellish insect. Uh, I mean, you could even like make some cookies for the for the players at your table. Like uh, this is a meta thing. Make some cookies for the players at, at your table and put too much salt in it. Yep. <laughs> Because everything tastes awful there. Right. Because everything, yeah, Sir, food tastes Serve bad. some water that you've left out for like two days. Make sure it's clean, of course. But, you know, yep. you know, let it let it be tepid and like, you know, stale because water gets stale. Strangely enough, water gets stale if you didn't know. Yeah. Don't don't hurt anybody. And, I'm just, you know, and, being ridiculous. And, and one of the things, well, one of the things that causes all this, right, is because Avernus used to be beautiful. Oh, yes. Av- Avernus used to be a paradise that was used to tempt people into hell. And so it used to be, you know, the garden of Eden, but, but you, you would lose your soul to get there and then bad things would happen. But now they can't even do that because of the blood war, because all these demons come pouring out of the sticks, the river sticks and have destroyed the place. Mm -hmm. So yet that even makes it more upsetting, especially to the devils that live there. I feel like as as Ma, as Moodyus did that on purpose. I'm sure he didn't. I have no idea what the story is behind how the blood war yeah. started. I don't even know if there is a story for how the blood war started. I'm not sure. It's just it's always been there, right? Like it's just the way it's yeah, always been. It's yeah, it's been around for longer than than people. I think. Um, a, a neat thing about Avernus is that geography is warped so mm-hmm. it could take you five minutes to walk somewhere one way and it'll take you three hours to walk back right or vice versa you know mm-hmm. but if you really want to get the going uphill both ways in the snow you can actually do that in Avernus. well you can actually yeah maybe the maybe the ash fall right right or just be old and then you can get get that as well yeah that's that's true um and then the, but that's something well that's something the dm can use though yeah right? it is totally uh, because that now you need to get over here and you need to get over here quickly, but you have no idea how long it's going to take. Mm-hmm. Hey, this devil shows up and says, well, I can get you there really fast. I can make it just a, you know, a, a one hour trip. Uh, but just sign on the dotted line mm-hmm. and here. And, and, yeah. and then I have your soul. Give me a soul. Yep. Uh, you can also like not make it the soul right away, but like something else that you can use as leverage later. In fact, they talk about doing stuff like that. Yep. Start start smaller. Uh-huh. Wait wait till the end um, to start pulling out the soul stuff. Mm-hmm. Only yep. when they really need it. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, I'm always a big fan of like making your mechanics match your uh, your setting, if you can. Mm-hmm. There's a really good house rule that you can use where uh, if somebody acts in a selfish way while in Avernus, you can assign them inspiration, but they can only use it for themselves. Yep. Like they can't share it. with Yeah. Them, like right? wow, we can get inspiration for being selfish. Weird. It's not normal. Yep. Um, and if and if you go back to that dark secret, right, or the flaw, then that becomes even more entwined within the campaign. It's true. It's especially true if a devil can find out about that dark secret. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's that personal touch. There's like a little section about personal touch. The flaws are really good too. Like you can just you should know those things so you can play upon them. Yep. Um, that's the first section though. The 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 about the adventure section. There is mm-hmm. something I wanted to talk about that really caught my eye, and it's something I, I want to bring up probably now and again as we as we go through this. There's a place in Avernus called the Wandering Emporium. Mm-hmm. So the Wandering Emporium, it is a market. It is a traveling market. It's on the it travels around um, on the back of 13, I think it is, giant infernal war machines. Mm-hmm. And it is run by a Raksasha named Mahadi. Mm-hmm. This Raksasha this is a wonderful host, um, wants to sell you whatever he can sell you, tries to upsell you on everything. Mm-hmm. And in order to even participate in the Wandering Emporium, you have to sign a formal contract. Because it's no, it's not even like a scam, really. It's just like if you sign this contract, you are uh, you have to if you don't pay for everything that you get while you're there, you will mm-hmm. have a geese put upon you, um, which will essentially cost you your soul until you have paid off whatever you need to pay off. Yep. No shoplifting. No shoplifting. I mean, it's just magically done to you. Um, I mm-hmm. also will assume that devils, while you were there, will try to scam you out of your uh, your money. Like, because just because there's no shoplifting doesn't mean somebody can't steal your money, <laughs> and then True. you don't have money to pay for the thing, and then you're just screwed. Just yep. saying, as an example, um, it's really neat. I think that a place like that's kind of cool. Also, the the story behind Mahadi is really neat too, because Mahadi is essentially a spy for Asmodi, Asmode, Asmode, mm-hmm. Asmadi. I always, I can never. I say Asmodeus. Asmodeus. Sure, that'll work better. Mm-hmm. That way I'm not referencing the game company. You know, mm-hmm. the giant board game company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Asmodeus. Um, and Mahadi is uh, empowered to make deals. Like, mm-hmm. big deals for your soul. In fact, uh, there's a whole list of them that you can go and check out. It's in an appendix. Also, like, mm-hmm. some of those deals are like, well, when you reach level 17 and you die... Um, you can't be resurrected. In fact, as soon as you die, uh, your soul goes to hell and you turn to a pit fiend under uh, Asmodeus's control. There you go. I mean, that's great. Like, that is a good endgame ideal for your character. Like, yeah, I'm going to sell my soul so I can be a pit fiend later. Like, I played that character to, to, to run down that path. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bunch of different little markets inside the Wandering Emporium, too. And the reason I bring this up is because this is a really cool place. I think you should definitely um, bring it up in your games. There's a bunch of ways it mentions to bring it up your games, which we'll talk about in the future. Uh, one of the cool places inside of the Wandering Emporium is the Infernal Rapture, which is a spa. Mm-hmm. I mean, have you ever been to a spa, Sean? I have not. Spas are lovely places. Like, you can get... I, you can, I'm sure they You are. can get, you know, you can go to, to the steam bath. You can get, you know, a couple's massage. You can, you know... Get uh get get your uh, get your eyes waxed, your eyebrows waxed, and you know you know a pedicure and a man, uh, petty mani mani petty, you know all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And they will they will do some wonderful things for you. In fact, they will do such wonderful things for you. They can even give you like um, reverse aging treatments and things like that. Is this in real life or in uh, in in hell? In hell, unfortunately. If it was oh, in real okay, life, I, I already would have been there. I would I would have saved all of my pennies to go there to have I, reverse I, I, aging I, treatment. I already had my phone out. I know, right? Like that's a good sale. That's a good selling point. Um, one of the one of the other most useful things about it is that it's a demi plane inside of like a pocket dimension, so it's mm-hmm. technically not in hell. There you go. So that's very useful to like have meetings and um, and and set people up. Oh, uh, it's also very useful for devils because they won't die if they get killed there. <laughs> 
True. So, I mean, it's a thing to think about. And there's a really cool um, handout that you can have that is a menu of the food that is served there and the services that are served there that is in complete and total gibberish because it's infernal. I can't yep. read it. Can you read it, Sean? Um, not yet. I, I have not. I think there's a translation. Oh, is there? That'd be good. Yeah. Because all I have is the non-translated version. Now, the appetizers of pickled vine blight salad, pan-fried myconid cap with garlic butter, and spicy shredded sturge. Oh, yeah, it's below it, isn't it? That's interesting. Yeah, yeah it's good, good yep. stuff, right? I mean, I'm... And, and, of course, coffee and tea. I'm all about the candied face spider and raspberry liquor reduction. That sounds delicious. And the, thi- and the thing is, it tastes good here, right? Because yes. this is in hell. In fact, all the food in this place tastes amazing. Mm-hmm. You have to yep. pay for it in souls. Of course. By the way, did I mention you have to pay for most everything in this place in souls? Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, you will get an infernal uh, war machine. You will drive around Avernus. It will be Mad mm-hmm. Max-like. We'll yep. talk about all that stuff. Yep. And you can play that up uh, you know, as much as you want or play it down as much as you want, depending on the type of campaign you want to run. True. There's options for doing lots of different things in many different ways. Um, so my first impressions of this book are they're great. It's great. It's a wonderful, wonderful mm-hmm. space place to play, you know, things like that. Like I, I like all of it. I'm, I'm a big Baldur's Gate fan though. I'm also a big fan of mm-hmm. devils and deals and things like that. It's very much, uh, in the same vein as the Fae for me. I like the Fae for that same reason. Yeah. And if you, if you can't play in this campaign or if you don't have a DM, if you don't have players yet, um, there are a couple of different ways to get a kind of a sneak peek of this um, one is in the D&D Adventures League the first epic for season 9 is available and it is it takes place in Avernus the D&D Open is also available for conventions to run and that also takes place in Avernus so um, some you know some of this the, some of these themes some of these rules are already in effect uh, in those two places nice very cool um, that's really all I have to say for now about the book. Do you have anything else you want to say? No, I think, you know, what we, what we talked about is just our, our thoughts on it, you know, where we're going to go mm-hmm. in future episodes. We are going to get more specific and talk about the adventure in detail and we'll bring these all, all these topics up again, showing them, you know, putting a spotlight on them in the flow of the adventure and in each of the encounters. Absolutely. Uh, next time we'll talk a bunch about the tale of two cities. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess we should uh, move on to Patreon shout outs then. Let's do so it. Kevin Lovecraft, Merrick Blackman, Mike Dinos, PK Sullivan, Richard Wyatt, Rob Abrazado, the chief, uh, Schmitty, Toby Sennett, Todd Crapper, the old school DM, the mad wizard himself, Sean Merwin, Troy Sandlin, Will Doyle, Zach Goins, Chris Constantine, Cindy Moore, Eric Mengi, Eric Simon, and Miko Froelich. You are all wonderful patrons, and we appreciate your contributions to keeping us doing this very much. Mm-hmm. Speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron like the aforementioned folks, um, you can click on the link to our Patreon page. It's right on the website. It's usually in the show notes, too. And for $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out. Or for $4 a month, you can get a shout-out like you just heard. You also get to see our pre-production show notes, and you get access to our Slack room where you can chat with us. You know, if you can't help us monetarily, but you'd like to, you know, give us a boost to help us out, you can do so with a, a podcast review, typically on Apple Podcasts. Yep, but we would love to hear from you on any other social media, uh, whether it be Twitter, on Facebook, 
you know, anywhere that you share things you like, if you could mention us, we would so much appreciate it. Sean, where can we find you on the Internet? Uh, the best place to talk at me is at Sean Merwin on Twitter. Or you can go to our pretty much new forums. There, the, That new smell is starting to slowly wear off, but it's still there. Yep, the new forum smell is still there. Yeah, that's at forums.misdirectedmark.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter. At uh, misdirectedmark is the network Twitter. I will respond to that pretty often, or I'll at least be notified about it. Um, my Twitter is at the light 101 You can also go to the website, um, or you can go to our new Twitch channel and our YouTube page. Like you can leave comments and all those things and, and talk to our talk to us in those places or at least just watch stuff on our new Twitch channel. You can catch other great shows such as this one on that new Twitch channel, which is the FM Gamers. So if you enjoy D and D and actual play, you can check out the FM Gamers. It's on twitch.tv slash misdirected mark. We're going to be playing Spell Jammed, which is a spell jammer and expedition to the Barrier Peaks inspired D and D five E game played in person. Like we have uh, my uh, front room where we record the podcast, the Misdirected Mark podcast is where we're going to be playing this game. We have a producer. We have a bunch of uh, cast members who have been um, not just playing role playing games for a long time, but also have been you know on stage acting and things like that, doing improv improv for years and years and years and years and years. I am probably the least experienced person with all that stuff that is participating. Um, if you're more about YouTube, you can watch or listen to that show and this show on YouTube.com slash Mark. All the episodes go up there now, too. Sweet. Down with D&D is a Misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs. So, Sean, uh, what are we going to do now? We're going to go kill some devils and demons. Uh, demons, devils, devils, demons. Yes, all of them. I'm confused. I guess we're going to kill them all. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?